We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Draw goes to the corner. Thompson for Skinner. In front, scores! Greenway goes to the net. Picks up his first to the Saber, and the Buffalo Sabres are back in it. Trailing 3-1, 24.8 to go in the opening period. Dan Dunleavy on the call. A couple of quotes here from Rasmus Dahlin after the game. Quote, we put too much pressure on ourselves. We really want this. You really, really want to give it a push. I don't know what it is. Maybe we think too much and whatnot. Sabres get a 10 hung on the board. And the most amazing thing still is Eric Comrie was in for all 10 goals. Yep. But we'll talk about that with Paul coming up at 8. He In our text convo, here's a little preview of you know what Paul might say at 8 o'clock if you're not going to be in the car then. That's okay. Basically, there wasn't ever a really easy time to do it. It might have. That's right. That's right. It, it might have been at three to nothing, but it's so close to the end of the first period, and then Greenway scores and it's three to one. So maybe you think like, oh, well, this game's not over. Ooh, that's a good question. If Greenway doesn't score, and is Comrie th- out there for the start of the second? Right. Maybe not. It, it was either there, or again, it wouldn't have been easy to do it here, but at nine. <laughs> nine. I, yeah. There's eight minutes we, left. We, I know it's weird timing, but. At nine, what are you doing there? You're just telling the guy, I'm not going to let you get to 10, which I think would have been doing a service to the player. I did watch the highlight of Patrick Waugh flipping out on the Canadiens when he, that was nine for him. Yeah, they hung him out. And he told the general manager he'd never play for them again. Our phone number is 803-0550. We'll get back to some calls on the Sabres. We need, we need goalies to call in. What's the goalie code here? You know, the you, goalie code. You, I feel like the goalies know when he should have been taken out. Sometimes it's the spark the team. They definitely could have used that at any point. In the second period, they start the second period down 3-1. to one. They get out high-dangered 10-1 to one in the period. That's tough. You are the team trailing by multiple goals. Right. And you're getting ragdoll. Like, so if you're a goalie... You're no, being hung out to dry. Did you did you feel watching that game there was a moment to get Comrie out of there? It's tough too because he did make a couple of saves that kept them alive. It, a couple it, breakaway saves. There was a couple breakaway. There would be there, there would be one of those moments where you might want to know the players and te- feeling on it. But hockey's not like it's not football where there's you know you're coming to the sideline every you know so often and you could talk to the coaches. When does Granado have an opportunity to? Ask Comrie if he wants to come out, or would you even? I, I just that would be tough to manage. I would have pulled him after nine, though. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Sabers really falling out of the playoff race and uh, getting into a different race. We're doing this again. The well, it's in- gonna it's gonna continue if they the keep losing. Inconvenient truth is, if Detroit wins tonight. Mm-hmm. The Sabres have a lottery ball for number one. Did you see, you know, uh, Micah Blake McCurdy, ineffective math on Twitter? He tweeted. He does a lot of, like, math projections, fancy projections about 
standings and such. Yes, the uh, the sadness uh, percentage, uh, sadness rankings, chance of missing the playoffs and not picking in the top five, including lottery and trades. You want to know where the Sabres rank in this? This would be the chance of missing the playoffs and not picking in the top five. They're tied for third. Okay, with like Nashville, Calgary. 84%. Fourth, uh, no, tied with Vancouver. St. Louis and Detroit are the only teams above them. It feels like he's invented a ranking. The sadness <laughs> rankings. You're yeah. going to not make the playoffs, and you're going to pick between 6 and 15. Well, that's probably right. But that's like the Bills drought and, range. And, you know, that player won't be here for a couple of years, but hey. If they don't, it's worth it's worth considering. You say sadness rankings. Okay, if the Sabres end up with the 13th pick, they could trade it. Maybe not at the deadline for Jacob Chikrin, but they could decide that the 13th pick is worth trading, and this, I'll sit here and tell you that it absolutely would be worth trading. This is another thing, though, maybe. Are they more likely to move a first-round pick the higher it is? If they're picking 7th, are they moving that pick? Well, they, they're Would not, they be more reserved and maybe more hesitant to do so? There's no chance they pick seventh. How much can they move up? How's the lot? I might the misunderstand only, the lottery. Well, here's how the lottery works: you they can get up to four. You can move up ten spots. Okay, but it would only be ten spots. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can move right. up ten spots, and they draw for number one and number two. The likelihood they pick seventh is they can't. The highest they much. could pick really without winning the lottery be tenth. Yes. But would they be more likely to move 15 than 10? Maybe it's not a big enough difference. All I'm saying is they would wait for the drawing, and then if they're in the drawing, you're not trading the pick until you know where your pick is. Oh, as, right. lo- yeah. as long as you're not picking one or two, my bet is, or my not my bet, but I would say it's on the table. They could trade their, their first-round draft pick to try to get better. They could, and they probably should. Or three seconds. I mean, this was the point about Chikrin at the at the deadline. Or, you know, you brought up uh, UC Soros with Nashville. If yeah. Nashville had wanted a first-round pick, you didn't want to do that knowing that it could be, if you miss and fall out, a lottery pick, and it could be Connor Bedard. All these teams that lottery protect their picks. Yep. They're, Everybody. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, they are a Detroit win tonight. It is against Boston. If Detroit wins tonight, the Sabres have a first-round pick lottery ball. Because Detroit has one right now at a 3% chance, and Buffalo has a 0% chance. But if they fall far enough, well, 3%. I'm watching the other end of the standings. And I'm not sorry. For 3%? Yeah. Chris in Buffalo. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, guys. How are we doing tonight? Good. Or today. <laughs> Good. So I guess my question is, when is Granado going to be held to something like that? I feel like other coaches, if they let something like that happen, would have been let go like I know it sounds maybe fast and I was a former goalie so yes being left in for 10 goals to me is I don't know if it's ever heard of um, so I guess I just don't know like yes Kruger was horrible and Granado has been decent but he hasn't been decent enough to I mean right now get us anywhere near the playoffs again so when is he going to be held accountable for what happens I'll hang up and thanks for listening guys my answer would be not yet right not yet eventually of course, every coach would be. But I don't think this year, and unless last year goes haywire, I don't think next year either. But, you know, in saying that, I might have thought similarly about previous Sabre coaches. Not envisioning, you know, every year, would every time, you know, Bilesma goes into a year after 82 points, and it's okay, next step. You're not thinking about him being fired, 
But then he gets a 73-point season and he's fired. And Housley is, you know, on a 10-game win streak, and you're not even thinking about him being fired. You're probably thinking about him for the Jack Adams <laughs> at the midway point of that season. And then they finish last, and he's fired. So that, to me, is what it would have to be for it to happen in the next calendar year. They'd have to be one of the worst teams in hockey next year. And this team seems a lot different than those teams. So I'm not thinking that's going to happen. Because otherwise... What, what do we mean by held accountable? Like, we're talking about job security then, right? And I don't think his job security is at risk unless they had some catastrophic type of year next year. 8030550. What do we do with these Sabres? It was fun. It, it still is fun. I had a good time at the game. Here's, here's a, whatever, silver lining. And I think when we talk about how it's been progress... They were at rock bottom. And yes, we had a caller say, like, oh, congratulations, you're not terrible. Now you're just regular awful. Is that progress? It depends on your viewpoint, right? There was a year mm-hmm. where Housley finished in dead last, and then the next year they were 26th, and Botterill wanted the point to progress. Like, yeah, you are tremendously underachieving. This team, the difference is they've identified stars, they've identified pieces, they've started to pull the best out of some of their young, talented players, Mm -hmm. and those are all positive signs. They definitely need to be a deeper team. They need to be a better team, and whether it's in goal or depth on defense or the third line, I mean, there's lots of spots that can happen. I don't know to the point, you know, the coach. Changing a coach in hockey is a thing that you do all the time. Every couple years, just fire a coach. The Flyers might fire Tortorella today. Right. Granato. Has have you seen this? He's now coached the most games for the Sabres since Lindy Ruff, and it doesn't feel like he's anywhere near a hot seat, right? And I'm not saying he should be. It's it is, however, an indi- indication of what they think they've got. They've got something here where he is right for their development, and it would take well, like a different time in all these players' life for him to be on the hot seat. That's what it feels like to me. Like it would be you don't shocking. Think, you don't think next year is completely result oriented? I do. But again, like I'm setting the bar very low. Like I don't think, you know, like for him I mean, guess if if they plateau next year, is he on the hot seat? I don't think his job is in jeopardy next year unless they were again to finish like near the bottom of the standings. Any type of progress, I think you're just you're moving on. You're moving or you're moving forward. And you're not even thinking about it. So, but but I do think that's a change. The last two seasons hasn't most of the hasn't most of the analysis of Granado's job been individual performance, individual growth by mm-hmm. players. Yeah. Next year, I think that changes. Next year, I think it becomes okay. You got to win now. Like now, we're judging you on the record and on the point total. And I'm thinking that they'll go up. Like power, I think power's the one guy that I just think. Internally, even if it, nothing happens externally that is that major, Power's the one guy that could go from where he is now to superstar overnight if he's not already at a, playing at a star level. And I, that could lift them up, just him individually and Quinn scoring more goals. Those are the two I'm thinking about the most for this. So I, I do think that they're going to progress next year, but 
I don't think anymore in a in a third year result oriented business. The record being what it is, I just I think next year has to be only about what their record is. Well, that might be true, and this is where it comes to the GM then, because Ottawa, Detroit, these are other teams that have pieces they like, young pieces they like. And this offseason, we watched both of those teams, Ottawa and Detroit, make more get-good-now moves, right? Ottawa goes out and gets DeBrinket and Giroux. And, and then Chikrin. And Chikrin. And we watched, and you know, you would have said, like, well, I don't know about that. That's trying to speed things up too much, and... You know, by the by, the end of this, Ottawa might finish in front of the Sabers, and or and in, even in the playoffs. That, that's right; they're playing really well right now. Yeah, Detroit's fallen off a bit, but you know, it's not a, it's not always linear. You can't just count on the Sabers taking a sixteen point step, and then next year, well, they'll take probably another ten point step. Maybe we thought that in twenty fifteen sixteen when they had eighty one points, and then as you pointed out, the next year we thought ninety five was right, and the coach got fired, and the GM got fired because it didn't happen. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Snow on the way today. I mean, like three to four inches of snow today. Yeah. You upset about that? I don't know. I'm going to the Bandits game tonight, so I might be upset about it when I get down there when I'm walking in slush or whatnot. So yes, you know what? Yes, I am upset about it. It's, it's March tenth. Come <laughs> you t- on. You talked yourself into this it. This is supposed to be Mario Williams weather. Pat, right? ha- Pat Hammer pointed out that two years ago it was 69 degrees today. That's what I. That's what I'm talking. I want to be dreaming of the golf course. I've got the Players Championship on this weekend. I'm gonna have snow on the ground outside. It was nice yesterday. Sunny. It was. It was nice. Yeah. I'll take that even. Craig in Rochester. What's up, Craig? Hey guys. Um, so with the Sabers, I think it's a tough discussion because. We all want to make the playoffs. I mean, it's insane that both teams have decided to have decade-plus long droughts, but here we are. Um, So I I don't want to act like there's not progress. To me, I think my greatest disappointment is more, I feel like the GM kind of artificially put a limit of what this team could do. And and I, I, I like what Adams has done, but I look at the Bills, and I know contracts are different football to hockey, but... In 17, it wasn't like they were the best team, but they added a needed spot at wide receiver with Calvin Calvin Benjamin. No one's complaining because they made the playoffs and they did it even though he didn't turn out into anything long term. And I look and it's like if you get Yossi Saros or if you would have, even if you overpaid, but you beat Columbus and you, you know, beat, you know, split with Edmonton and the Islanders, you're in a different discussion where these guys maybe still have a shot. And I I know that it's not one band aid to get all, but I hope you get my sentiments. You could have done something more than you're hanging on Devin Levi to be your goalie of the future. Well, there's no guarantee he's going to be. Like, so I just and the same with Chikrin is they they've made progress. It's great to see that the Edmonton game out there was amazing. They played an, a great game. It's unfortunate they didn't win, but you also could have artificially helped yourself a little bit more by maybe just doing something. Like I don't care about next year's first round pick. They haven't made the playoffs. They have some really good players. They're building it. Like you're allowed to take. A chance. You don't have to go, you know, Tim Murray style and trade everything, but you can do something to help yourself. And I think that's where a lot of fans were like, we, we know that the playoffs maybe weren't the biggest reality, but at least give yourself a little shot, give them a little bit of help here. And now we're sitting here and it's like Groundhog Day, literally all over again. So, yep. um, Thank, thanks. For, I like it. I like the way you said that, and I totally agree about capping what this team could be with the, goal, the goalies that they they did. I mean, Lucan and. Earlier in the year, Lukanen came up and kind of saved their bacon. And then Anderson's been their most consistent, and you can't play him on back-to-back. If you have an important back-to-back, 
You know, he can't play back-to-back games. He hasn't since November. Yeah. Um, they did try to get Matt Murray. They tried. But how different is that? I mean, it's a guy, and he was fine in Toronto, but he has injury problems, and he's injured again. It, it'll be their biggest thing this offseason is how are they going to bridge to Devin Levi? If who, who you point out is, like, not a guarantee. Right. Just bridging there, and this is the, the, the point that you kind of can't say this anymore. Kevin Adams has said, you know, we don't want to block the development. It's time to block some development. If, if it means winning, next next season will be about – you have to go wins. You, you can't keep well, all these development spots open. Not to say that's what they're doing. But even if they add a goalie next year, who am I blocking? Right, you're not – Am they're... I blocking Levi next year? No. He's not going to be here next year, right? Like, unless he shows up and is – he would have to be an incredible anomaly to, to be showing up that quickly. It does not happen almost ever. The guy's – Usually that will get a chance, and maybe he's being considered this, the guys that get a chance at that age to play in the NHL that young are first-round picks. And a lot of times they're doing that because of the talent level and the draft status. So maybe Levi will get that same treatment. But like I'm, I'm look, looking at the free agent goalie list right now. It's not great, by the way. But like Tristan Jari will be available. Ilya Samsonov, after a good year in Toronto, will be available. Corpusalo will be available. Uh, Philip Gustafson... He's an RFA, actually. Um, Semyon Varlamov. Like, there are a lot of ideas that aren't going to be five, six years, and I'm paying a goalie $6 million. That's Soros. You don't have to do that. But they got to do something in that. De- Detroit and Ottawa. So those are the two teams that we've been comparing them to a lot this year because of where they were in the standings last year. They both made moves in net. That helped them more than what the Sabres have with Eric Comrie. Cam Talbot, Ottawa traded for Cam Talbot last offseason. He's not been great. He's been better than Eric Comrie. Then that's a difference in the standings. The Red Wings traded for Vili Husso. And he's played, he's going to play like the most games in the NHL this year and has been relatively fine. So those teams went for goaltenders. They didn't go all out for it, but they did something. And. I don't think any move like I'm, Freddie Anderson. There are a dozen ideas I think the Sabres could go after this offseason in net that would not even mean blocking Devin Levi because I'm just not counting on waiting on a 20-year-old goaltender to show up and save me. 8030550. When we get back, more of your calls. There's also a juicy trade suggestion invo- uh-huh. involving the Bills. Ooh. The Bills could trade someone away, and it would okay. be, and it's juicy. Okay. You haven't seen it, have you? I haven't, and... It's just... Is this a guy we haven't talked about? About trading? Yeah. Not that much. Okay. 803-0550. The juicy rumor on... I, should, I shouldn't say rumor. Speculation that a team might be wanting to call about this player. We'll talk about that with you and take your phone calls as well. 803-0550 NWGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
Allen back to pass, surveying the field. Fires to the end zone to Davis. Did he get both feet down? Touchdown, Buffalo! A 23-yard missile launch by Allen to Davis. Gabe Davis's name coming up in the New York Daily News when talking about the New York hmm. Giants. So this comes from, uh, I'll read you this piece from Pat Leonard. Basically that the Giants are desperately seeking wide receiver help. And Which they are. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about the Bills for receivers an awful lot. The Giants are in a bad way. And two names, actually, for the Bills. So sources say, this according to uh, Pat Leonard, the Giants have poked around on the veteran wide receiver trade market. The first place to look is always to the familiar. It sounds like the Giants have their eyes on slot receiver Cole Beasley. <laughs> they nearly reunited okay. Beasley and his former offensive coordinator last season. So apparently Beasley was talking with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes on to say, Pat Leonard, Bills wide receiver Gabe Davis, meanwhile, could be a potential trade target if Buffalo can't reach an extension with its number two wideout who has shown number one ability. Yes. It's no secret that Shane and Dable have a high affinity for Davis. Dable is the play caller for Davis's eight catch two hundred one four touchdown outburst in January. Makes sense to pursue trade possibilities at receiver given this year's underwhelming free agent receiver class and draft crop that Shane is also scouting closely with no obvious stars. Allen Robinson could seek a trade. So, knee jerk reaction, Joe. The Giants call about Gabe Davis and Pat Leonard. New York Daily News says basically. The Bills might be up for that if they don't think they can come to an extension. Would you rather the news breaks at 8 o'clock this morning? Gabe Davis extension or Gabe Davis trade? I think I'd prefer Gabe Davis trade. I think. The extension, it's going to be $15-16 million, we think, for Gabe Davis. Tying that up in him. Whereas a trade... I don't know how much confidence to have in the Bills and what they would do to replace him. Like, would that be, would they use money for Beckham? Would they go after DeAndre Hopkins with the draft capital they got? Would they just draft a guy in the second round? Somebody, though, they sign Robert Woods and player XYZ, you know? I don't think, though, Davis is so irreplaceable that I would get to, let me extend him first. He, He was fine last year. Right, 800 yards, seven touchdowns, about 50 catches. He was fine. I do not agree with the sentiment in that, that he has shown the ability to be a number one wide receiver. He did that in one game. He did that in one game. So I'd, I'd want to know what I'm getting back, and what am I getting back? A second? Am I getting a third? Because in... in It's definitely not a first. In many hypotheticals, I think I would take the trade over the signing. I, I don't know that I would ever want to see the extension. Under any circumstances. Not right now, at least. He could pop off this year, and then I'll, of course, be open to it. Right now, I can't see myself liking an, a, a Davis extension at all. 803-0550. If you're, well, we lost our guy. Okay, we want to talk about the Sabres. That's okay. You can chime in at any point. Um, the other part of it, though, is like if I, if I get a second-round pick for Gabe Davis, and that might be giving them a lot of credit. A second-round pick for Gabe Davis... W- if I draft a receiver in the second round, am I getting a better player? What are the cha- what are the chances I'm getting a better player? Well, let me get to that point because we did have someone write in about that, about the idea of trading. Greg writes in, can they afford 
a free agent to take that spot. Their hesitation to play rookies makes me hesitant to say draft one, like second round. Davis is probably worth more playing out his rookie deal here than a mid-round pick due to the lack of depth. Well, the the short answer is they can if they don't end up paying Tremaine Edmonds. Right. Yeah, how would they replace him? And this is part of it. Are the Bills open to the idea of trading Gabe Davis to the Giants if the Giants came calling? Probably. And he's not being shopped, so you'd expect that it's, he's not going for nothing. No, they're they're probably open to it. And the, the thing that Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News lays out here is it's because they don't think they could reach an extension. You guys took a call on the extra point yesterday, somebody saying the Bills should have traded Tremaine Edmonds if they knew they weren't going to get an extension done right. for him. And, you know, that's a gamble. But if you know it's not going to happen, you are getting something and yep. focusing on the position more in the long term. So I think the Bills can't consider it until they know, like you said, whether it's somebody in free agency or somebody in the draft. If they drafted a receiver, let's say somebody falls to them at Quentin Johnston, falls to them at 28, which is highly unlikely, would they then say, all right, we're going to take him and trade Gabe? Because you, yeah. would, you would reset your timeline on your number two receiver. It would be young and cheap. It's one of the reasons they need to draft receiver and why I, you know, I kind of get a little upset when people talk about, what about a tight end? Like, no. <laughs> the receiver market is where they need to strike gold. Here's a great example of it. Think about Bijan Robinson versus a, a receiver in that spot. One of the ways to point out how valuable receivers are, what's the franchise tag for a running back? $10 million. What's it for a, a receiver? It's like 20 isn't even more than that now? It's like 25? The position is yeah. is more valuable. And it's getting more valuable. It's, the market exploded last yep, year. It is yeah. harder to yeah. sign free agent receivers than it is free agent running backs. It's a more expensive position. It's one of the reasons you should draft it instead of drafting the running back. Well, that being said, I mean, how much money... Here's another part of this. You get draft capital back for Gabe Davis if you decide, yeah, we'll trade him to you. We're not so... He's not untouchable. No one's untouchable. We'll listen. And if you want to overpay for him, we'll do it. Now i got to f- figure out receiver, though, if I do that. So say they get a second-round pick back, and they want something. They want a veteran at that position. Not only do I have the Edmonds money potentially to play with, but whatever they might have wanted to use on Gabe Davis for an extension, what can I find on the open market this year for the same amount of money? If he's a $15 million receiver, can I take that $15 million and just give it to Juju Smith-Schuster instead? Can I give it to Jacoby Myers? Myers might be more expensive than that. Can I get it? But can I get Alan Lazard? Like, If you really want to pay Gabe Davis and extend him, he's not irreplaceable. I could There, there are multiple guys on the market this year that I think could step into Gabe Davis' position today and have the same production. Would Alan Lazard be that much worse on the Bills than Gabe Davis's? Would Smith Schuster? Would Marvin Jones? No. That's I mean, cheaper. Th- there's a point to be made here. The the Bills can't move on from Diggs. So you might as well remove that. Yep. They can't move on from Diggs. The money, the dead cap, all that. And he's m- way more irreplaceable. Yes. Like that is way harder to replace. The, the Chiefs just made a decision to move on from Tyreek Hill. Right. Like the idea that you and the Packers did with Devontae Adams and you know, on and on, we saw the Titans with AJ Brown. We, we saw yeah. a big year of movement for receivers. AJ Brown. Well, in the case for the Bills, if, if the Bills traded Gabe Davis, wouldn't it be kind of year two of the league identifying 
we can't sign this guy. We can't afford this guy. We'll trade him. The Giants might have more room for him, or I don't know if Joe Shane would identify him as a potential number one. I sure don't think so. Right. But, you know, but ma- they need guys. They need number. They need a number one, a number two, and a number three. Yeah. Well, maybe Hodgins they see as that. But the other thing about that receiver point, how many like the Chiefs get a lot of credit for replacing Tyreek Hill? They did a pretty good job, right? Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Darius Toney and Sky Moore, all of these guys made big plays for them down the stretch, and they did a great job replacing Tyreek Hill. What about the other teams that did that? Did the Ravens do a good job replacing Marquise Brown? I mean, Bateman was hurt a lot. Bateman was hurt, but he was already there, you yep, can remember. He was there. Uh, they did, drafted... the, did the Packers do a good job replacing Devontae Adams? No, I mean, Christian Watson came on in the second half of the season, but he's no Devontae Adams. The Titans with A.J. Brown, like... It, uh, the other teams did not do a very good job of replacing no. their number one because it's hard. But the Bills wouldn't be trading their number one. They'd have to replace Gabe Davis. That, to me... Which is a thing you might be doing next year anyway if you're not going to reach an extension. Right, you might just be hitting, hitting fast forward by a year. Or just resetting your your wide receiver two contract timer. Get that back to a zero. Like Robert and they could this could be a way that they want to create cap space if they want if they want to find a way to pay Tremaine Edmonds, right? If they want to hang on to that. The Giants come calling and say, we'll give you this for Gabe Davis. Okay, well, it's more money in the long term now that I'm freed up. So instead of Gabe Davis, like what do I do to replace him? Robert Woods? Robert Woods is going to be a lot cheaper. And well, how about this? Before Gabe Davis Became last year like the number two. Who was it? John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders. It really, by targets, it was always Beasley. Beasley, yeah. right. They used NFL veterans for their big time target share outside of Diggs. Yeah. And then this was the year they decided, all right, Gabe steps into that role. It's very possible that they could just decide, let's get the next version of Emmanuel Sanders. Let's get the next version of Cole Beasley. Right. Find a veteran that we think has not been... I mean, that's what they did with Diggs. They took a guy that was in an offense that didn't throw the ball nearly enough, put him in this offense, threw it to him all the time, and, you know, right? W- everybody wins. Let's get to a phone call here on, uh, on the Sabres here. John in Buffalo. Good morning, John. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing great. Good. Um, so I just kind of want to, you know, voice my frustration, how I think annoying it is, is that it seems like this team really can't... Um, can uh, afford one major injury from one of its core top players without this entire team falling off the rails, whether it be Samuelson in the beginning of the season and us losing eight straight or now us being one in five since Alex Tuck got hurt. You would have thought you'd have more depth than that. You know, I think a lot of people when Tuck got hurt, I think a lot of people said, oh, well, you know, these aren't these Eichel teams where if one person in the top six got hurt, you know, everything would fall apart. Well, it seems like, from the two examples we least have with talking Samuelson, it seems to tell a different story. Also, real quick, um, I'm not sure if you guys heard one of Darlene's quotes from last night during the postgame interview where he said he feels like the pressure may be getting to them. Um, and, I'm just one, and I'm just wondering how you guys feel about maybe that uh, potential hypothesis because I'd have to think with how young they are. Um, you know, going on podcasts, Darlene writing that letter to the city, they're on social media. I think they probably have a really good understanding of how badly the fans want this. Yeah. And that, that's maybe, part of 
John, that, thanks, John. That's part of what he said when saying, like, feeling the pressure. He said, we really, really want it. And I think that's a good thing. This this would be where if you wanted to make the point that feeling this pressure and falling short next year when they get in this same spot in a playoff race, they will have dealt with the pressure once before and, I don't know, motivation, whatever. Like, it, it won't be a new feeling next year. But let's be honest. The Rasmus Dahlin Sabres have never had a game as important as the Islanders game a couple nights ago. Never had one game that matter that much. Right? Right. Where your playoff odds are 14% in the balance, if you trust like those numbers. But yep. a, a sw- they've never, Rasmus Dahlin's never played a game with the Buffalo Sabres that was that meaningful. And neither had Tage Thompson, and neither had Dylan Cousins, and any nobody. I mean, Gergensen's hadn't played a game that meaningful. Right. And he's been here for a decade. Oh, that Arizona tank. Never mind. Actually, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) But yes. Yeah, so it's it's not great. (laughs) Last night was not great. 803-0550, NFL free agency on the way next week. The Gabe Davis rumor. If you have a thought on that, you know, Davis extension, if it doesn't happen, maybe could he be a trade candidate? Suggested by... uh, Someone in the New York media, Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News. And it kind of checks out for timelines of trades when these receivers who put up numbers get to that contract, is a team going to pay them? And for the Bills and Davis, it's not a slam dunk. And, you know, Joe, as you point out, it's, it's good money, and they need help at receiver already. If Davis were to be traded, of course, like, holy cow, now I've got really big holes. Because, you know, Khalil Shakir's a nice... A nice piece, but we're down to one receiver you know is on the field for you consistently. Yeah, Diggs, and that's you're going to need more. All right, 803-0550. Paul joins us at 8 o'clock. We'll get his thoughts, of course, on the Sabres uh, coming up. And your phone calls here on WGR. About, about Diggs. Him. Yeah, I'm yeah. Diggs. About I'm Diggs. saying, like, he wants to win. I mean, yeah. you guys know that. He wants to win. He's, he's a competitor. He, that's, that's how he is every single day. And if, he, if we're playing cards in the locker room or if we're doing whatever, he wants to win. So mm-hmm. that's the type of teammate I want in my, in my corner each and every week, and, and that's him. Micah Hyde on Good Morning Football on Stefan Diggs. Jeremy White, Sneaky Joe, good morning. So Geno Smith's contract with the Seahawks, this is a good example of the Wednesday headline and the Friday reality of these contracts. Geno signed for, was it three years, $100 million? Yep. Wow. That was the headline. $100 million for Geno Smith. Can you believe it? ProFootballTalk.com reports uh, it can actually be a one-year $28 million deal, and they can be done. They can get out after one. However, this is something else that's interesting. He has contract escalators in his deal. $2 million for each of these numbers that he surpasses. Mm-hmm. 30 touchdowns. If he goes more than 30 touchdowns, $2 million. Not a bonus, an escalator. The whole deal goes up that number. Okay. 100.874 passer rating. 100.874. How did we get to that number? 0.874 passer rating. I want to be in the room where were they down, were they negotiating hundredths of a place? Let's see if you can figure it out. If he passes 4,282 yards. Escalator. If he passes, okay, wait, wait, wait. I think six, I might. I know 60, what's going on here. Sixty-nine point seven five five completion percentage. Escalator. Are these his numbers from last year? Bingo. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Any one of those numbers, he gets more. He gets two million dollars in escalator, and there's also one for eighty percent of the snaps and ten wins slash playoffs. 
So he's just betting, I'm going to be better than last year. Yeah, he gets a good base, but there's $10 million in bonuses on just surpassing last year. And then if he hits all five of those, there's an extra five. So $15 million basically of, hey, if you're better than last year, we'll give you $15 million more. Good for him. I like that. I don't think it's super likely. You're going to bet him for 31 touchdowns? I am not going to bet him for 31 touchdowns. I actually saw next-gen stats the other day. Geno Smith, highest completion percentage over expected in the league last year. He had eight touchdown passes with less than a 25% completion probability. That set an NFL record. Since they started doing completion since probability? They, since they, right. I, I don't think in the 60s they were, they were charting that. So eight touchdown well, passes that were less than a quarter of a chance to, to be caught. Um, it's not out of the question. I thought him starting in the first place last year was out of the question, and he did. So we'll see. They could still draft a quarterback, though. They pick fourth, I think. Fifth. Fifth with Denver's pick. Should they draft a quarterback? Yes. They'll never be this high again. They, n- and it's not well, even their I, pick. It's Denver's. I was going to say, I shouldn't say they never will. But, right, with a quarterback like Smith and how they played last year, they're not going to get to four again. Not soon. No, probably not. So, right, pick one now. You don't have to play him. You play Geno Smith. And, again, you just laid it out. If Smith starts to struggle and you want to play the rookie even in the first year, you can move on in, from Smith in one year. One year. Paul Hamilton on the other side will get his thoughts on that Sabres debacle. And if we're seeing a larger problem develop what has happened to all the good vibes, Joe. What has happened to all the good vibes? Paul's going to have the answer. I, I, I believe in him. 803-0550 to join us on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.